It's time for the Little Agency That Roars podcast, a podcast that connects you with talented and brilliant people. And that's all of us. We are available wherever you stream your podcast, so go ahead and find us and subscribe. I'm your host, Michael Fasoni, and let's get started. Between sales and advertising agencies, you pretty much know everyone. Yeah. And it's a small city regardless. Yeah, so, you that's know. true. That's true. Um, well, should we get started? Yeah. Sounds good. Let's do it. I'm sitting here with Shalon David, author, beautiful author of Beautiful States of Mind. Did Correct. I get that right? Yeah, perfect. Okay, thanks, Michael. It's great to be here. Oh, thanks for coming. Thanks a lot for coming. Yeah. Um, when I saw that you wrote a book, I thought, what a great opportunity to have you on the podcast. Um, and I'm really curious to hear the story because I'll be honest, I didn't do much research. Oh, no problem. Um, yeah, I'll share a little bit of the background. And it's only in pre-sale right now, right? Correct. Right now it's just pre-order um, through the end of June. It's pre-order. Okay. And, and then it'll go live after that. And where will it, let's just get the business out. Where will sure. it be then? So yeah, it'll after. be available on Amazon. Um, okay. Starting in July 1st. Right now you can pre-order um, on cdavidbooks.com. And it also has um, has excerpts from the book as well as some testimonials, and I have a couple of events coming up as well. So all that information's on the cdavidbooks.com. Okay. And will Amazon have a digital version as well as a physical version? Right now, just a physical version. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, there we go. But let's let's talk. Okay. So you're currently working at Lead to Read KC, which tell everyone what Lead to Read KC is and does. Sure, I'd love to. So... Lead to Read was founded in 2011. It was founded by a couple who were middle school teachers, and they saw that there's a lot of students coming through middle school that weren't proficient readers, and they wanted to address that, and they knew that it was too late by the time you get to middle school. Um, you really need to be at the reading level by third grade. So they started this program in 2011, and it started off really small, um, you know, with one school, a handful of volunteers. Um, but the premise is, th- is that you learn to read until you're in third grade, and after that you read to learn. And if you haven't caught up by third grade, it's really hard to catch up. Um, there's really usually not much of a safety net, and um, reading is really the foundation of all future learning. In fact, 85% of learning um, after third grade is, is based on reading. So no matter what the subject matter, if it's English, science, math, you have to read in order to, to, to excel in, in the classes you're taking. So since then, it's grown exponentially. We, we now work with um, 24 schools in the Kansas City area, um, primarily Kansas City, Missouri Public School District, some charter schools, and a little bit in Kansas City, Kansas as well. And what I feel is, find really amazing is we have more than 1,400 volunteers that we work with. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's a huge number, and these aren't just one-off volunteers. These are volunteers that come in once a week to, to read to our to our students. And I think it's a really cool concept. Um, our volunteers just give one one hour a week to, to, to volunteer with Lead to Read KC. And that includes the travel time to and from the school. So the actual session is half an hour. But our readers read with the same student week after week. So they form that bond. Mm-hmm. And it's really important because a lot of our students don't have um, – role models or people kind of come in and out of mm-hmm. their lives a lot. So this, you know, provides a consistency. So in addition to helping them um, with reading, um, it, it helps them build confidence and just provides a, a positive role model. And 
it also just opens her eyes up to all the endless opportunities that are out there. We work with, you know, we have readers from a lot of different companies that come in. So, um, so I'm relatively new. I've been at Lead to Read about five months, but, um, you know, it's been a great fit. I'm a lifelong reader. I'm a huge fan of literacy. I was fortunate because when I was young, my mom used to read to me a lot. Um, yeah, like Curious George were, were a couple of my favorite books. And then um, P.D. Eastman, Are You My Mother? I remember I loved. And then I passed that along with, with my two daughters, um, read to them at a very early age. And I'm fortunate because they both still like to read a lot, too. Um, now it's more for schoolwork, but mm-hmm. they still read on the side as well. So you're fairly new there. You said five months. Um, at what point did you finish writing your book? Yeah, um, I completed it about a month ago, um, the final editing process. Okay. The last trip we took was to Hawaii over last Thanksgiving break. So after that, you know, I was pretty much done, but I needed to complete that final chapter and kind of a summary. And so, um, yeah, about a month ago, and then finishing the editing process. So this is really fresh. Very fresh, yeah, yeah. So how do you, and let's, you know, the premise of the book is, I want you to say it, but it's you traveled all 50 states with your daughters. Go ahead and. Yeah. So, yeah, the genesis of the book is it started, you know, when they were really young, like um, toddlers. We used to, I used to live in Seattle for a number of years, so we used to take a lot of road trips just in that region to Vancouver and Portland and um, all along the West Coast. And so they were just used to traveling from, you know, as long as they can remember. And then um, we moved back to Kansas City about 2010. And shortly after that, me and my ex-wife separated and got divorced. And, you know, there's, um, I was only had, um, went through a custody battle. And then, you know, we had the, I had the kids about 50, you know, half the time. And so I just really wanted to bond with the kids. And I thought one of the great ways to, of doing that is through traveling, because um, we all love to travel. They're used to it. And we'd already been to um, probably about 10 states or so before we even moved back to Kansas City. Um, Did you count those? So the premise of the book is Shalon and his family traveled all 50 states. And mm-hmm. it's kind of what he you know he learns traveling with his two daughters um, across our nation. But... Did you count the states you'd previously visited already in the list, or did you have to revisit them? Correct. Although a few of them we did revisit. Okay. But, and they were, yeah. They but were if really, you'd already been there, then they counted going you, forward? Exactly. Okay. All right. Yeah. I, just, I just want to know the rules. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, good question. It's funny because we took my youngest daughter, or my oldest daughter, Nia, to Hawaii when she was six months. Uh-huh. But then we went back, um, you know, as our 50th uh-huh. state, so she actually got, got that one twice. Well, sure. She says, Dad, why do I have to miss <laughs> exactly. that one? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, you took me to Iowa when I was 13. <laughs> Exactly. It took me to Hawaii when I was six months. I can't yeah. remember Hawaii. Exactly. And it's fine because that is kind of the trajectory. There's some states where I knew they weren't as excited when they were older. So we tried to, I tried to get those ones out of the way when they were a little bit younger. Well, let's, can we talk logistics? Sure, sure. Let's talk logistics and then yeah. kind of get into, you know, um, you know, really what you took out of the entire experience, you and your daughters. Okay. Um, but so you get divorced. You're back in Kansas City. You already have some places that you've already gone. Mm-hmm. So do you, you, you present them, with your girls, with this idea? You have two daughters, correct? Mm-hmm. Correct. Okay. Yeah. You present your daughters with this idea? Yes, I did, yeah. Or it just kind of starts at one trip, and, you, and then you say, hey, let's take a second trip this you know, summer or whenever. Yeah, so we'd started, like I said, we had about 10 trips. And then you know, as we progressed, I'd say it's around 20 states probably. I was like, I have a goal I want to 
reach all 50 states by the time Nia, my oldest daughter, graduates from high school. Okay. And so she's actually a junior in high school now, so we're one year ahead of schedule. Okay. But it was, um, especially with the pandemic, you know, trying to get the states in towards the end. And a lot so of So when did you start? What year? Yeah, I'd say 2014 in earnest. Okay. And, and we've been this quite a bit before that. But and that's, then roughly how old is your, are, your, are your girls? Yeah, so that'd be five and seven, roughly. Oh, wow. So they're pretty young. <laughs> and that, that's part of the logistics <laughs> right there. I have a lot of questions about that, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so five and seven, uh, 2014. Okay. And then you wrap it up roughly seven years later. Okay. Or actually nine years, because we just, eight years, I guess, the end of 2022. Okay. But yeah, roughly. Okay. So did you, Matt, did you have a, a plan, a list? No, it wasn't that organized, actually. We just started... Um, with some states, like the first big trip we took was to New York, my sister at the time, or my sister lived there at the time. So we went to New York City and went to New Jersey for a little bit. And then the following year um, for spring break, we did East Coast. That kind of inspired me to, to go back to the East Coast because there's a lot of places we wanted to see. And so we went to Massachusetts and Vermont, New Hampshire, um, Connecticut, Vermont, six states basically in, in, set, in a one-week spring break. So that really pushed the total up. And then, you know, that kind of started a pattern where we'd try to do a cluster of states, usually like four or five at a time. Okay. For a while we were able to do that. Like within a week or? Yeah, within okay. a week to 10 days, but usually okay. a week over spring break, sometimes during the summer. Um, but you know, we kind of ran out when we got when we got in the forties. There weren't any, there weren't clusters left. We had to start going to individual <laughs> states, and like North Dakota was one example. That was one of the ones that we hadn't, hadn't made it to, and we actually drove all the way to North Dakota. Um, and we revisited some of those other states that we hadn't done a whole lot in, so it worked out. But um, yeah, for a long time, though, I tried to do at least four or five states at a time. Now, is most of this driving? Yeah, the majority was, the vast majority Just was for driving. efficiency. I mean, you yeah. think a plane would be efficient, but for what you're trying to accomplish, really the car is more efficient. Yeah, and the great thing about car, too, I'm is, guessing. yeah, you drive through places that you weren't, you weren't expected mm-hmm. to stop at, and those were some of the great, you know, the funnest moments is completely unexpected stops. Um, but we did fly to, we flew to New York, um, flew to Boston, and we flew to California. Any fly there, drive back scenarios, kind of fly, rent a car? and um, Usually we flew in and then um, rent a car, drove around. Sure, and, gotcha. And drove back, yeah. or flew back, yeah. Um, so w- I have a lot of questions. What was their, what was their initial reaction? Yeah, they're, they're excited because, like I said, they've traveled since a very young, young age and are just kind of used to it. For them, it's almost like on the summer camp or um, the swimming pool in the summer. It's just something they do with dad. And we do make it fun. You know, oftentimes we don't know what we're going to do and we just drive. And if one of us sees something we want to do, we'll stop and, and check it out. And as they got older, they were more involved. Um, you know, they'd help me plan and tell me some of the places they wanted to go. Um, but yeah, they, they were excited about it from the very beginning. And then, you know, kind of like me, as we got closer to them, they're counting down and they tell their friends at school and um, get pretty excited about mm-hmm. the pinnacle, especially with the last two were Alaska and Hawaii, which were, they were really excited about, as mm-hmm. was I. Um, so, yeah, we all, um, towards the end, we got really excited because we're getting so close. Is there something that had to make it a um, 
Was there something you had to do or acquire, like, you know, you had to get a thimble or a shot glass or a T-shirt or whatever from each state in order to make it count or no? Yeah, we didn't quite have that, although we did get a lot of souvenirs. In other words, was there a ritual? That's the word I was looking for. Was there a ritual per per state? there was. Um, Okay. One of the rituals, especially when we were driving, we'd always get out by the welcome to whatever state sign and take a picture. So we have a lot of those. Um, and sometimes it's kind of hard because... 50 of them. Yeah. I don't know if we got all 50, but we do have a lot. Um, sometimes, you know, it's kind of busy highways and mm-hmm. we're trying to pull over and right. take a picture. And there could be weather conditions right. like rain or freezing cold. Um, and I'm not the best selfie person either, which my kids <laughs> like to make fun of me about. So some of those weren't the best pictures. Sometimes I just took them, but, you know, we tried to get all three of us. Um, but yeah, that's definitely a ritual is, is trying to get pictured by the state sign. Okay. Any other ones? Um, you have 50 jars of dirt in your house? No, that's a good idea, though. <laughs> Marked by uh, state. Or <laughs> I guess another ritual 50 is. 50 dried flowers. Or <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Those are all good ideas, actually. 50 Roadkill <laughs> by Shalon David. <laughs> that could be a book. A I photographic journal. Yeah, photo, a photo book. <laughs> that got dark real quick. Um, what a cool experience for your kids to bring back into the classroom. Yeah, yeah. And I think they learn so much from these trips, and I do as well. You know, when you're on the road, you're forced to learn things. And, you know, we did the traveling in the United States. And meet people. And meet people, too, yeah. I mean, most importantly. Yeah, yeah. We met, you know, a lot of people. Um, and people, you know, we're traveling in the United States, but it's such a vast country that different areas are so different. So, for instance, like New York compared to Montana or California compared to Mississippi, there's different cultures and ways of going about things, different speeds of life. Um, and so just being able to expose them to that. And we, every trip was different, but we did go to a lot of museums. Um, we actually went to a lot of college campuses too, which they used to seem so young, but now they're... Towards the end. Yeah, towards Maybe, the, but yeah. Even, even when they're kind of in their tweens, um, just to check out different campuses that, you know, like I'm, I'm a big sports fan, so... Mm-hmm. Like when we're in um, Georgia, we'd stop by the University of Georgia just to check out the football stadium and walk around the campus. Um, same with Duke with with the Cameron Indoor Stadium. Um, but yeah, it's definitely been more poignant lately as they're you know getting closer to college and asking questions about what college is like and what what to be looking for. So so yeah, you know we learn we learn about those things and um, like you said, meeting people. Um, I think another thing is just learning to deal with challenges and obstacles because every trip. It never goes perfectly according to plan, and sometimes you have to pivot, and something that you wanted to do just doesn't work out because maybe the museum's closed or we weren't mm-hmm. able to make it in time. Um, especially so you, the last three years. Yeah, and especially, you're right. What exactly. a challenge. Yeah, the last three years were a challenge, and there's so many things. I mean, you're driving, so that helps. Yeah. But still, in terms of national, um, uh, whatchamacallit? Attractions. There yeah. you go, attractions being open, not, yeah. not so much. And yeah, we were in Chicago for for one of those, I think it's 2021. And it wasn't the high of the pandemic, but there's still a lot of things that were closed mm-hmm. and like the pier was closed for the most part. So yeah, that's something we're planning on doing all day. So we, you know, we had to figure out something else. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, those, the last three years when we traveled, it was generally in the spring or summer. So the weather was good. So we did a lot of as heavy on outdoor activities. Um, but also, I, I, and that's another point, just appreciation of nature and the outdoors and they both like to hike and um, be in nature, and I think part of it is because we've done it so much. Sure. Yeah. So tell me truly, candidly, honestly, Shalon, <laughs> the difference in traveling with uh, five- and seven-year-olds versus teenagers. Yeah, there's definitely a big difference. 
<laughs> I imagine maybe it's quieter. I yeah, don't know. I'll, I'll, I mean, you know, then technology has come along in the uh, last, you know, since you started your journey. And so a lot's changed. A lot yeah. hasn't. But, I mean, I want to hear it just from personally, you know, how was the experience for you personally in the intro versus, you know, the last three years, you know. Yeah. COVID aside. Sure, sure. Yeah. Aside. And it has changed a lot. It's been about 10 years. Um, and I, I prefer now with with the teenagers, you know, there, there's mm-hmm. some some challenges with that as well. But um, well, they could probably appreciate it more. Yeah, first they, they appreciate it more. Yeah, they they don't get it. tired quite as quickly. You know, you can do a full day of activities, and especially the hiking parts. You know, mm-hmm. it used to be we'd, we'd just be able to go a little bit and, mm-hmm. and then get tired. Um, also, when I remember vividly when they're five and seven, they'd be in the back seat and sometimes fighting. <laughs> I'd be trying to drive, and um, you know, you have pull over and try getting to calm down or get, you know, I tried not to reward them with treats or ice cream, but sometimes right. that's what sometimes it is all you can do. I yeah. <laughs> um, and it's funny because at the very beginning I tried to avoid the electronics, like that trip to New York uh-huh. I mentioned earlier, um, you know, is me taking the tickets to New York and it happened to be, is in January actually. And there's a huge blizzard in Kansas City and New York and we're stuck at the airport for about eight hours trying to get out. And I didn't have any electronics because I was thinking that oh, this will be a great way to bond and we'll just talk. And after a couple hours, I was like <laughs> kicking myself for, for not bringing some electronic devices. Um, and after that, I kind of eased up on that, on that part. But um, And now, um, you know, it is like to your point, they, they appreciate it. They mm-hmm. help plan, plan it, which, you know, provides a sense of buy-in to and ownership mm-hmm. because it's things they, they picked out. Um, and then in, in terms of some of the differences, you know, they used to hit it when I took pictures, or too many pictures anyway. Oh. And now, you know, I'm taking pictures of them constantly so they can Now post, they're asking you to take yeah. photos. <laughs> and, you know, they're, they're posting on social media and um, wow. sharing it with their yeah. friends. So what that's, a difference. That's a big difference. Um, and then just the timing of the trips, trying to coordinate when everyone's available because both my daughters are heavily involved with extracurricular activities and sports. And so trying to figure out a time where everybody's free. Um, is, is a lot more challenging. It used to just be whatever whatever my schedule was worked. Plus working. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, you're working at the time, were you? Correct, yeah. Okay. I was working, so juggling it around that. And usually we took the majority of our trips over spring break. That's kind of our okay. our tradition, although we did do some, you know, at other times of, of the year too. What, um, what state surprised you the most? Yeah. Um, I think we had... We enjoy. There's something we enjoy in every state. There's a couple of states where we didn't venture very far in. You know, it's just we went in, did one thing, and, and had to leave. But I'd say probably Wisconsin surprised me pleasantly the most. Um, and I'd heard it's a pretty place. I know some friends have gone there for summer vacations, but I just wasn't expecting a whole lot. And it's one of those states is um, sometime during a pandemic and is you know one off. So we're mm-hmm. going just for Wisconsin, although we stopped in Chicago and um, I think Milwaukee on the way as well. But um, it's a, it's really pretty, um, especially the part that's um, n- next to Lake Michigan. I mean, it just looks like the Mediterranean almost. It's like oh, wow. clear blue water. Um, there's a county, I think it's called Door County. Um, it's just so pretty. And it's not overcrowded, which which was really nice. Um, we had a lot of space to ourselves. And then um, you know, Milwaukee was, was, was a fun place. We went to Madison, um, University of Wisconsin is, which is... Um, a really cool campus. It's got the capital on one side, a, a river or a lake on the other side, um, a downtown, kind of similar to Mass Street in Lawrence. Um, okay. But yeah, we did 
you know, a lot of outdoor activities. Oh, we, we went to Green Bay as well, um, which I didn't realize, but it's really small. It's like 100,000 people or so, but it has the Green Bay Packers. So, you know, the oh. whole city revolves wow. around the Green Bay Packers. So we took a tour of Lambeau Field, and um, which is kind of something I've always wanted to do. I'm, like I said, I'm a big sports fan. Um, Green Bay is only 100,000 people? Roughly. It might be a little bit bigger, but it's, it's really small. Um, I was surprised how small it was, and there's yeah. not much else to do other than the Packers. Huh. Um, so, but yeah, we we kind of spent a day doing Packers stuff. Are your girls into sports? Yeah, they play sports. My oldest plays basketball. My youngest does track um, and cheerleading, and used to play basketball. Um, they're they're not into sports as much as me, but they tolerate it, um, and they do find you know some of the attractions. Like we went to Atlanta and went to where the Olympic. Um, Olympic field was, sure. and they liked that. And um, yeah, they thought Lambeau Stadium was pretty cool. And some of the museums, like the Muhammad Ali Museum, they liked as well. So some of it's sports, but it's mm-hmm. kind of transcendent sports as well. So what states would you um, totally not mind if you never went to again? Yeah. Um, Which ones are those? Yeah, I'd say North Dakota, even though we did have a good, like, good experience. It, we, you know, we drove all the way to North Dakota for one state, basically. And South Dakota is my preference because there's it's just more to do and they have Mount Rushmore. North Dakota is pretty barren, um, not much population. There's not very many cities. The, the one, the thing that we did do, which we really liked, was at Theodore Roosevelt National Park. So that that was worthwhile, but I wouldn't go. All the, I wouldn't do it again. <laughs> um, and it's you know we went in the summer when it wasn't cold, but normally it would be freezing as well. Just because um, it was remote and there wasn't much to do. Yeah, remote, not much to do. Okay. Um, I'd say that's probably the, the one I remember the most. Um, and part of it is, is we weren't doing a bunch of states at once. We went there just for North Dakota. So, um, but we did have fun on that trip. And, you know, on the way, we did, we did some different things as well and spent some time in South Dakota. Um, as Mississippi, probably another state. Um, you know, we didn't do a whole lot in Mississippi. We went, we went to Oxford, which is the University of Ole Miss or University of Mississippi, which is actually a gorgeous campus. But, um, you know, just... A lot of poverty, um, not a ton of things to do in, to do mm. in Mississippi. It's, it's even, I can't, I think we went in the spring and it was already pretty humid, so I can only mm. imagine yeah. what it'd be like in the summer. Um, I guess there, are, there is some coastline, w- w- which would be good, but yeah, probably wouldn't make, go out of my way for that either. You had a lot of good food. Mississippi, yeah, yeah. I and mean, it's, it's just in all over. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. you just, you know. Yeah, yeah, there is... Um, yeah, a lot of good food. And we're, we're usually kind of in a rush, so we grab stuff usually as we, as we went. But especially our, our trip to Louisiana, we really um, soaked up the food and the cuisine and tried to sample as much as we could of the Cajun food. Tim was just down there. Oh, were you? Yeah. yeah it's a fun place. New Orleans. Love it, yeah. Yeah, it's a fun place. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of good food. Yeah. Um, so... You wanted to get something out of this journey, mm-hmm. and I think that's kind of what you try to wrap up in this book. Um, can you can you kind of talk about what you pulled out of yourself and what you pulled out of you know your family, you and your girls um, through these travels? Kind of what you've put down on paper, maybe mm-hmm. what people can expect to to read. Maybe it isn't you know. Maybe some of the emotion behind the the copy they're going to read, sure, or sure. intent, or 
Yeah, yeah, and hopefully people find it inspiring. Um, you know, as I mentioned earlier, we went through a divorce, and it's you know tough on tough on the whole the kids, you know, the parents as well. And at first, it's pretty acrimonious, you know, trying to figure out the custody. And you know, after about six months, we decide, you know, what, what's really important to kids. We we want the kids to be happy, and we need to put aside any differences that we have. And kind of move forward. And I'm, I'm so glad that we did that. You know, I have a, a good relationship with my ex-wife now. And um, I think that's so important because I do know some some of my friends who are divorced and they can't be in the same room as, as their spouse. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when they go to sporting events where their kids play, they're on opposite ends of the stands or graduations. And fortunately, my you know, my kids don't have to deal with that. Um, so, you know, it kind of started as a, as a way for me to to spend quality time with the kids because I was working at the time and, you know, I had them th- three, four days a week at most. And usually, you know, by the time you get home and fed them and, you know, get ready for bed, it's, you know, you don't, you don't have much time to, to really interact. You know, we'd try to go to the park or something. But I found that going on road trips, you know, I was fully in the moment. And, you know, we were able to bond and kind of explore and do things, um, that we wouldn't normally be able to do, you know, just a normal, normal mm-hmm. average day. And so it kind of started off, you know, providing that bonding experience. And I think it, it kind of helped me in particular um, kind of find some self-discovery, um, you know, what's important in life. When, when you're on the road driving for hours at a time, you know, mm-hmm. you, you have a lot of time to think. And, you know, one of the things that came across my mind is that, you know, my kids are, you know, wonderful individuals. Um, I'm not, you know, they're going to grow up at some point. You know, naturally they're, they're going to move on and they're going to have, you know, other priorities. So I just wanted to take advantage of it while I could. And it is easy to, you know, when you're working in particular, you, you get home and you're exhausted and, you know, one day bleeds into another and mm-hmm. um, all of a sudden, you know, everybody tells me this before you know it, your kids are going to be graduated and um, you won't see them nearly as much. And so this just provided an opportunity to, to, to really spend that time with them and um, for me to kind of process a lot of the things that had happened and, mm-hmm. um, you know, realize what I needed to do to, to work on relationships, both, both with my kids, with my ex, you know, my, my new partner as well. And it's, it's also therapeutic because when I was young, my parents got separated. Mm-hmm. Um, they were not, they never divorced because they weren't officially married, but... Um, very similar ages, me and my sister, um, you know, the time when I got divorced and they went through a bitter custody battle and my mom had sole custody. So I didn't really get to know my dad very well. And that, and my dad passed away, um, in the mid nineties. So I never really got to know him as well as I would have, would have liked to. And so it's kind of therapeutic for me too to, to realize that, you know, my dad didn't get formed that relationship with me, but, you know, I'm kind of passing it forward and making sure that the same thing doesn't happen. Um, cause I know he's looking down and, mm-hmm. you know, he, he can, he can see, um, the relationships that we built. Um, but yeah, I think that, that kind of, that's nice. You had yeah. a chance to close that chain. Exactly. That, that, that wasn't quite, you didn't have quite closure there and you're able to do that with your own family through your own journey. And, and, and not in a minor way, in a very robust way. I mean, because that's not a small feat, you know, yeah. traveling that many states over that long of a time period. So that's, that's really cool. Oh, thanks. I appreciate it. Um, I mean, and it makes a lot of sense, too. 
Um, yes, you do have a lot of time when you're on the road, especially when 100% of the driving is on you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just, as you were telling that story, I realized you had no relief driving. Yeah. <laughs> because you were driving with minors the entire time, or not minors, uh, driving with people under the age of 16. Correct. The entire time, correct? Yeah. Or was yeah. there ever a time when they could um, take the wheel? Not not through our 50 states, actually. Okay, all right. My, my so, oldest yeah. just got her, her learner's permit, but it's a little okay. bit late. Um, and that was definitely another challenge. Well, it's time too. to get back on the road. Yeah, let her drive and let me relax. <laughs> you can sit in the back with your iPad. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Wake me up when we get to Boston. <laughs> yeah, and that's actually a good point. I'm glad you brought that up because that, that was one of the challenges. You know, I was um, the sole, sole driver, and I usually don't drink a whole lot of caffeine. I don't drink coffee. But when I was on the road, you know, I'd drink like a big Coke, and that, that would get me through for, for, for a ways. But... There were a couple times where I got really, really tired, so I just pull over on the side of the road and try to take a quick cat nap. But and the other thing I tried to do is break it up so we weren't driving like eight or ten hours a day. But maybe we drive four or five hours, do something for a day, maybe drive a couple more hours, and then sleep and and go to the next place. So I tried to break it up so we we didn't. That makes sense. If you plan it right, you can get out of any state in a couple of hours. Yeah, yeah. No state is too big to. Yeah. Yeah. We don't start in the middle. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. Um, so what did your, you know, and I, I, this will be tough to answer, maybe not, but what did your girls learn? That's a really open-ended question. I'm sure what they learned at age five and seven is a lot different than what they learned at ages, you know, what is it, 14, 15, mm. or 13, 15, whatever. Um you know, did you get what kind of, what type of feedback can you share about that? Sure. You know, or or, or um, maybe you didn't hear it directly from them. Maybe you saw things. Maybe you saw, you know, states three through six, their behavior towards strangers and meeting new people and coming across new experiences was so much different by the time they had been to state thirty and forty. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you probably watched them. I'm guessing you watched them go through some type of maturation process, not just the organic maturation process that would happen normally of two girls that age, but like, like I'm saying, of them going through these travels and having to enter a new city, ask a stranger, where's, this, where's the restroom? Where's this? How do we find, you know, wherever you're trying to go? I'm lost. You know, we're looking for this type of food. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a good question. So, yeah, I think part of it is, you know, just getting more comfortable with, with people and, and strangers and asking questions. Um, and sometimes I, you know, if they had a question in a museum, I'd want them to ask the docent or whoever so they'd learn how to, how to talk to people and explain, you know, what they're looking for. So I, I think that you could definitely see that um, progress over the years. Um, I think, you know, when we first started, we did go to museums. Um, a lot of it, you know, like I said, was outdoors. But, you know, when, when we first started, we'd go to museums and I'd kind of explain some things to them. And, you know, they'd maybe listen to the, if they had headphones or whatnot. Mm-hmm. But they didn't typically ask a, a ton of questions. Mm-hmm. You know, they'd just kind of go through it and I, I'd explain what, you know, what we're looking at. And as the years progressed, I noticed that they really started to um, have questions and question things in general, which I thought is, is really cool. I can provide a couple of specific examples. Yeah, please. Yeah, when we're in um, Savannah, Georgia, it's um, where Juliet Gordon Lowe, her birthplace, um, her childhood home is, and she was the founder of Girl Scouts. And so 
we, we went through that museum and, um, you know, we we're just talking about it a little bit afterwards. And my youngest daughter, who's probably about 10 at the time, said, Dad, this is the only museum I can remember that's dedicated to a female. I started thinking about it. Oh, wow. I was like, of all the museums we've gone to, and, you know, we went to a lot, um, some dedicated individuals a lot, you know, did bigger things, you know, holistic type things. But that made me think because I was like, man, we've been to a lot of museums. Yeah, that this. resonated with her. Yeah, it really resonated with her. And I, you know, it was a different viewpoint because I, I just hadn't thought of that. Sure. And then we started going back and my oldest daughter, Nia, has like a really good memory. And we're thinking, are there, are there any other ones we went to? And we did think of it. There's one in Atchison, actually, Atchison, Kansas, where uh, from Amelia Earhart. Um, but that's not part of our travels. So we thought of that one. And then there's one in Denver, um, Molly Brown, who, who was on the Titanic. Um, there was a museum dedicated to her, but there's very few. Huh. And so that, that really made me think, um, you know, as a 10-year-old girl, she has a different, um, you know, perspective than, mm-hmm. than I do. Um, and then also um, kind of, you know, the, it was right around the time of the um, Black Lives Matter movement went really, really went to full effect. And um, we went to the Civil Rights Museum in, in, in Memphis. And, you know, it's really, it's um, powerful. It's very sad as well. And I remember at that, they're asking me quite big questions about how did this happen and um, why did it happen? And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm a person of color. Tough questions to answer. Yeah, it's tough, tough, tough questions to answer, and yeah, it's it, it, it's not a good answer. Yeah, there is no good answer exactly. No, there's no way to. Yeah, um, so that, you know that, but you could just kind of see the thought process sure. and how it's changed over sure. the years, um, and then in, you know some of the other things that have progressed is they weren't able to drive, but they're able to help me navigate. You know, the last several years mm-hmm. cause they had their phones, and I used to have to stop and mm-hmm. um, ask for directions or look on my phone. And after a while, I'd just say, hey, can you guys tell me mm-hmm. where this place is? Or sometimes we'd be on the road, and, you know, I'd be getting tired, and I'd say, hey, find something to do in this next town that's about an hour up. And, you know, they'd both... Yeah, that is convenient. Yeah, kind of I mean, that would be. Yeah, yeah, so that made life easier. And same with restaurants, you know, if I'd say just pick out somewhere you guys mm-hmm. want to eat here and... Give me the you know, give me the address mm-hmm. and I'll plug it in. So you only have so many hands when you're driving. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that would be tough. Yeah. Did um, did the dawn of the pandemic make you wonder if you were going to have to stop? It definitely did. Yeah, yeah. We took a. Um, I think we were we we're getting pretty close to that point. I can't remember if it was, it was around forty five. Mm-hmm. And you know, I kind of had the plan for the next few years, so we'd get done by the time my daughter graduated high school, and then you know the pandemic. Seemed like you know, basically, it seemed like it happened overnight, and um, we had right around that time we, we had a trip to plan to California. So we we're in California. We we're in very remote areas, um, like Death Valley, and there weren't any, weren't anybody around. But still, things were happening so quickly mm-hmm. at that point. You know, every day things would change like a normal month time mm-hmm. takes to change. It's just constant changes. So Well, and you're going state to state, and obviously we don't have to say it, but every state was approaching every, COVID a little yeah, differently. Yeah, that's <laughs> different. Very true, yeah. And, that's, and, and not just states. We can say county, county. county yeah, I was going to say county yeah. by county, too. So and we found that out very quickly. It's like <laughs> some places, like, not too worried about others. Yeah. It's a completely different story. Um, so that was with the one, you know, place that we actually drove all the way back just to, to not be around people. Um, but then we, you know, we waited out a little bit, and then, and I think early 2021, we, we, or spring of 2021, we did a road trip. I think that might have been Wisconsin or, or North Dakota right around that time. 
So we went to more remote places and did a lot of outdoor activities. So you were staying away from yeah, popular areas? Yeah, the areas. Okay. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. We had no idea if we were all going to die or not. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. And we didn't know when it was going to end. Or, um, and I, I do remember, you know, that when it first started, we were talking to the kids about it. And I got, how, how long do you think this will take? And, you know, at that point, they didn't even know if they were going to continue school or not. Like, we knew they weren't going to have school for a week or two. Right. We didn't know past that point. I remember, I, I think it's in my book, but I said, oh, it'll probably be, you know, eight weeks or so, and hopefully it'll be back to relatively normal. And little <laughs> did I know, you know, how, how long it would take. I think everybody's a little yeah. bit surprised by, by how long it took. But, yeah, we, we definitely wore masks a lot for um, mm. several of the states that, that we traveled to. I imagine that had to be very interesting. Yeah. Um, but at least it didn't stop you. Yeah, it is, you know, a different perspective. We, like I said, there, there are some places that we would love to have gone, but we weren't able to because of places were shut down or very limited capacity. Um, and even this, like we went to the St. Louis Arch during that time, and I hadn't been for a long time, but it was just so different. Um, you know, I think that individual, different groups got an uh, individual elevator, and then when you got up to the top, there's plexiglass, and you couldn't, Oh, weird. Go past like a certain point. Weird. Um, so yeah, it's just a completely different than why I'd done it previously. So. But did you say only one person in the elevator? Well, I think like one group. Oh. So oh. they'd have different groups go in the elevator and then meet up at the top and then it's kind of walled up plexiglass up on oh, the very okay. top. Yeah. I'm afraid of elevators. Oh. <laughs> so you said you, you wrapped up the book about five months ago. Well, our last trip was about five months ago and then the book was wrapped up about a month ago. Okay. So. When did you start writing it? Yeah, I started probably about five years ago, but it, it was just kind of a limited basis. It, I, I used to be a writer. I used to freelance write for a number of years, so I always thought about writing a book. And then when we started traveling, I, I kind of wanted to put it on paper, just more kind of for, as memories for, for for me and my Sorry. kids. Uh, no Sorry, worries. Pumpkin's outside. Uh. Pumpkin, the dog. <laughs> He's Kelsey's, uh, one of our employees has a little... Guy, he wants a tree. Nice. He's outside my door right now. Agency mascot. He's, he's, he's mad at me. Um, so you didn't. Obviously, the purpose of the trip wasn't to to write a book, but at what point, at some point, you decided this could be a great story. Yeah, exactly. So I kind of started putting together some notes, and then I'd say when we got to about twenty five states, I was like, you know, if we do this right, we're on pace where we could actually visit all fifty states by the time Nia graduates from high school. And then, you know, I started writing, you know, writing more, um, more consistently. And the first several chapters were pretty hard because I was trying to go back from memory and, um, okay. you know, looking at social media pictures to remember, you know, what order we did everything. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, my daughters have good memories too. Um, but after that, you know, I tried to keep up with the trips. And then at a certain point, I got caught up. And then I just couldn't complete any more until we took the next trip. So it was probably pro- a period of about five years, but there's some that were definitely more labor-intensive, some periods that were definitely more labor-intensive than others. And did the book just come together for you? Yeah. Did, really, you, it, did you know what kind of direction you wanted it to go when you started, or did you kind of evolve from your your uh, your field notes, from your journaling? Yeah, it definitely evolved. Um, you know, I, I knew it wanted to be about travel in some respect, but at first I was kind of thinking it'd be almost a, more like a guide, like for parents, like go to this place and this is how much it costs oh, okay. kind of like that. But I started to do that and I didn't, I just didn't like the way it was flowing and I wanted to incorporate a lot of other, other elements. So, um, 
kind of the format now. There, there's an introduction that kind of talks about um, the genesis of, of the travel, how it all came about, a little bit about my background. And then I have um, kind of transitional chapters where it talks about the kids growing up, you know, what they're up to as between our trips, like what, okay. what, what their new interests are, um, some new things they're up to. And, and sometimes there's some flashbacks to, to when I was a kid or um, when me and my sister um, were kids on the things that, that mm-hmm. we faced. And so there's some transition chapters and then it, um, the full chapters or whatever trip it, it might be. So some of them, I think the most states we visit at one time is six states, but there's some where it's just one state. And I just kind of talk about what we did, um, you know, talk about some of the conversations I had with my kids, um, you know, some of the surprises maybe that we weren't expecting to come across mm-hmm. that, that we came across. And um, I kind of do it on a day-by-day basis, so I'll do a quick introduction, then I'll say day one, and then kind of talk about what we did day two, um, what we did the next day. So I think it hopefully it flows pretty well, and it's easy to read. Nice. Yeah. You said you have some events coming up for the book? Correct, yeah. So the first event is on June 11th, which is a Sunday, and it's at Tanner's on 119th Street in Overland Park. Okay. And that's from 2 to 4 o'clock. And, um, yeah, we'd love, if anybody um, is interested, we'd love to have you. You know, just be a casual event. Um, I'll be doing some book signings. And then on June 24th, I'm going to have one in Lawrence at the Lawrence Beer Company, which is just east of Massachusetts Street. And that will be, it's Saturday, June 24th from 2 to 4. And um, on my website, cdavidbooks.com, it has the event details as well where you can RSVP if, if you're interested. Okay. Awesome. And you can also pre-order. Correct. Yeah. So um, if you go to cdavidbooks.com, there's a tab where, where you can pre-order. And as I mentioned, there's um, you can see some testimonials, some brief excerpts. Um, but it's a pretty easy process. And right now, you can order either color or black and white. Um, you know, the, the main difference is the, in, the interior of the book is color. The photos are color with the color option. Um, so right now, you, you can do either. Um, when it goes live on Amazon, it'll, it'll probably just be black and white. So it's kind of another benefit for pre-ordering. Uh, have you written anything long format, published or non-published before? Not this long format, not a book. I have had a lot of like magazine articles published and newspaper articles, but yeah, this is the first book in, in long format, um, and it is a process. I, it, it amazes me how people write fiction books in, in particular because trying to keep track of all the characters and the plot twists, it seemed like it'd be hard because even for me, this is you know just factual stuff mm-hmm. and trying to weave it all together and make the narrative you know flow well. How was the editing process? Yeah, um, so I'm most of the editing I did. My my sister helped me quite a bit as well, okay. so I, I'd run some drafts by her, and she's she's good at proofing, so she helped me out. But um, I didn't hire a professional editor, so she helped me. Um, I guess at the very early stages, I did have. Uh, Somebody had done editing, help out a little bit, kind of with format and um, also grammatical stuff. But the last few, few versions, I've just read through the book over, you know, several times mm-hmm. just to try to catch mistakes. And mm-hmm. I'm sure I didn't catch. I'm sure when I read it in a few months, I'll I'll, I'll catch some things because that always happens. But um, hopefully, for the most part, it's um, edited pretty well. But yeah, every time I read it, I'd catch 
yeah, a few more things. So it's kind of an ending, actually. I'm sure your daughters have read it, or have they? Yeah, they have. Um, they haven't read the actual book version, but they've read all the chapters within the book and seen it, and they actually helped me pick the photos. So they're definitely in, oh, cool. involved with the process. And um, I, I'd always read the chapters just to make sure, first of all, everything was factually correct and mm. make sure that they're comfortable with with whatever I said. And and you know when they're young, they do they're embarrassed about a few of the things. You know, maybe there's a um, temper tantrum or something they said, but. You know, it's just when they're young, you know, mm -hmm. you, you, you um, normal kid stuff. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. Also, what a cool experience to bring to Lead to Read KC. Yeah, yeah, I think it ties so well. Um, like I said, you know, Literacy KC is, is a children's literacy organization. And to be able to travel through the United States with my kids and then document that experience, mm -hmm. I think fits so well. Um, and like I mentioned, I am, a, I've always loved books. And I think when you read a lot, it helps you become a better writer. And, um, you know, my mom read to me, I read to my kids. Now, you know, one of the things I do at Lead to Read is I've served as a reading mentor. Um, I read at Citizens Academy with a first grader. And, um, you know, at first, he was really quiet. It took him, took him a little while to warm up to me. But, you know, we just had our end-of-year celebration um, yesterday, actually. And, you know, he was so excited to see me. And he was one... You know, for a long time, I was kind of reading to him, and I tried to get him mm -hmm. to say a few words, but he was re reading part of the book, mm -hmm. and um, you know, and I, I think that's why I'm so proud of Lead to Read KC because not only are we are we are we helping kids learn to read, but we are providing that positive role model experience, mm -hmm. and um, you know, and it's it is a two way two way street. You know, that the, the kids really enjoy the students, the, mm -hmm. but the volunteers love it too, and. I've talked to some of the volunteers, and they said it's their favorite part of the week. They, you know, it's they're That's stressed great. out, and yeah. you know, there's so many things on their plate, and they can just step away for an hour mm -hmm. and see the difference they're making with with the young person. Um, it, it kind of slows things down for them, I think, and yeah. makes them remember what's important. And we are always looking for for volunteers or what we call reading mentors, and it's only an hour a week. Um, you know, school just ended for well, this. Where is it? Um, the schools, you mean? The phys yeah, physical location. Oh, our physical location. We're at 31st Street between Broadway and Maine, so close oh, to KCPT. Right here? Yeah, yeah, actually really close to here, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Um, but yeah, close to Liberty Memorial Union Station. All, okay. All um, but we... But if someone wanted to come and do reading, volunteer reading, that's where they would go? No, that's just where oh, our sorry, physical sorry, space sorry. Oh, that's okay. They go to the schools? They go to the schools directly, yeah. Okay. And we we work with 24 schools. Um, actually, we're going to had three schools next year, <clears throat> but primarily in Kansas City, Missouri, um, all the way from Brookside down in, to the Northeast, and then um, Kansas City, Kansas as well. But um, if, if you do go to our website, um, leadtoreadkc.org, then mm -hmm. there'll be information about um, sign up to, to volunteer. Okay. Yeah. So did this, um, are you itching to write another book? Or is it kind of something that, you know, you did it and you feel great about it, it's done, um, not even thinking about writing another one? Yeah, it, it does. It definitely feels good to be done. When, when I, you know, did it for the last time, it, it was great to be done because I'd been working on it for so long. And, um, you know, it's just a sense of accomplishment, I guess you could say, to, to have that part done. But I, I am open to, to writing another book. And I think I've learned so much from this process, um, both just, you know, the editing, the 
um, hopefully the marketing portions of it. I had somebody help me with my website and design, but um, I think it'll be easier next time around. And one thing I would like to do at some point is I'm a, I'm a huge um, sports fan, like I said, and um, especially a KU basketball fan. So someday I'd like to write a book about KU basketball kind of from a fan's perspective because I've been watching it since third grade or so. I know a gentleman, I think it's from Greater Kansas City Attractions Association. Uh-huh. Uh, he was on the podcast. I think it was Matt Schulte. Uh, Matt, oh, yeah, I actually know Matthew. Do you? With the Royals. Was it him that was visiting every stadium, Tim? I think so. I think he was visiting every single baseball stadium yeah, that in, sounds like in the nation. Yeah, that sounds like something you would do for sure. Um, yeah. But it sounds like something you can, yeah. Yeah, it's funny. He's a good friend of mine. But Is yeah, he? That, that, would be a, that would be a cool thing, too. He's though. a good guy. Yeah. And for me, like either baseball stadiums or college basketball arenas would be, would be really cool. Because mm-hmm. um, every state has a college basketball arena, um, even, you know, Alaska or so I didn't think of this question, but you said something that made me think of it. So I'm going to ask it. So we know each other from the advertising world, mm-hmm. and you mentioned marketing your own product. Isn't that the worst? Yeah, isn't it very difficult? <laughs> it's a lot, it is so. so again, and again, I wasn't even going to bring it up, but you come from an advertising marketing background, um, and now all of a sudden you have to market something that you invented, created. Uh, however, it doesn't matter the verbiage you use. Isn't that weird? Yeah, it is so different. <laughs> and we were talking before the interview a little bit about, you know, I used to work at Univision, right. the Spanish language network. And, you know, we used to, um, we shot some commercials together mm-hmm. and put the scripts together. And Were you at a different station before Univision? Um, I used to be at radio. radio I think station. that's right. I think Probably that's where I first, met you. First met you, yeah. Uh-huh. Been, but go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, went to, went to your own your own baby. <laughs> I mean, it, it is different. <laughs> I would imagine it's a little bit with your podcast as it, it, you Try try market that a little bit. It, it just it is different. Well, I mean, talk about the pack. I, I couldn't even do the logo. <laughs> I had to have uh, Leah just. I said, just take a photo and don't tell me. Just you <laughs> just choose it. it. And her and Tim did it because yeah. I'm too close to it. Obviously, yeah, yeah. And that's the thing. You, you know, it's but more it, it's, personal. It's very strange. Um, you know, even even when I uh, took ownership of the agency, it already had the name of the logo. We didn't really decide to change it that much, or really at all. Um, I can't imagine if I had to redo, redo that. Oh yeah, just based off of the little little things that we've done in the last nine years, you know. Um, but yeah, isn't it so weird working yeah. on your own thing? Because uh-huh. because yeah, you, you think you you're like, oh, this I have this, this is my back. But then you're you're so non-objective. Excuse me. Yeah, you're so um, non-objective that. But at the same time, you think you know what's best, and then yeah. you just. You just want someone to come in and tell you yeah, what to do. Yeah, and that's what, if I had a budget, that would be one thing I would love is somebody to just take it and run with on the marketing, and I'd give them a, a fee. But you, you quickly realize why people hire people yeah, like I, us. I just going to say that's why there's advertising agencies. It's like you have a vision, but you yeah, don't know. You've handed off, and, and they run with it. And, nope. Um, you just sign off on stuff, basically. Yep. It's <laughs> <laughs> a very good point. Yeah, we just had these fun stickers made, which... I'm not going to say what they are, but... Oh, oh cool. These were fun. Um, but these just kind of happen. But yeah, anyway, it's uh, it's not fun marketing your own product. Yeah, thanks. Or it can be. It's Let me just say this. It's tough. Yeah. It's, it's not as different. easy as it sounds. Yeah. Um, well, Shalon, what else? What else would you like to say? Yeah, I guess... Or, sh- or should we wrap it up? Yeah, um... I was just going to add, I think this is a good book, or a lot of people would find this book interesting. People that like to travel, um, people that like history, 
people that like sports, people that like music, um, definitely parents. And what I, about people who need healing? People what? who need healing. Oh yeah, yeah, that's a, yeah. Because I, I mean, and and again, just from you know the summaries I've read online, um, to me, that's what I took out of the summaries. Yeah, was yeah, a healing that, that's journey. A, a big part of the book. Yeah, um, yeah, people that are kind of looking to get get back on their feet, um, and you know maybe some of the things that we did would inspire them to to maybe get outside their box and kind of you know find themselves in one one way or another. Um, Did you gain the clarity, the peace, the... Did you gain what you were hoping to get out of all these travels? Are you, are you the person that you were hoping to become at the end of this? Yeah, I think so. Um, are you a different father? Are you a different lover? Are you a different man? Yeah, I, I think I am. Um, and that's one of the things, you know, when, when you get divorced, most people that have gone through this kind of realize, you know, you question yourself some, you ask, what could have I done differently? How could have I been better in, in whatever aspect you failed in? And so, you know, I tried to work on that, you know, obviously not just while traveling, but it gave me time to reflect on, on, on what the shortcomings might be. And I think one of the big things is to be in the moment, um, certainly with my kids, because, you know, there's a limited amount of time that mm-hmm. they'll, they'll be in the home. And so to take advantage of that while you can, but also that applies to other relationships too. Um, you know, we all get so busy and it's easy to put off things or um, not meet with people and say, you know, I'm just too tired. But I've, I've really tried to to connect with people, um, not let those years pass. You know, with the pandemic, it was a little bit challenging, but just try to reach out to friends or even new acquaintances, try to build those relationships. And Awesome. Um, yeah, and I think, you know, with... with um, my partner, Isabel, um, who we've been dating a number of years, the same thing, you know. Um, and she actually, I didn't mention this earlier, but the first 48 states, it was just me and my two daughters. And the last two states, Isabel came along with us, which, oh. which you know, kind of different um, in a good way. Um, and we'd taken trips before, but not like big, sure. big trips. And so the, um, it was nice because she was able to bond with, she she gets along with my kids really well, but mm-hmm. she's able to bond with them even more. And um, when you're on the road for seven days and you're not sure what you're going to do or what's going to happen, you know, you, you learn, you're kind of part of a tribe almost. Mm-hmm. It's like you have to figure things out and work together and people are tired and hungry and you got to figure out who has priority, you know. Who it's a good relationship it. test in other yeah, words. Yeah, it really, it's definitely a, good, <laughs> a very good relationship test. And for the most part, we may, may have to run skate. Like being stuck, stuck in Sky Harbor for five hours, but that's a different story. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and, that was nice because, you know, we've talked about the trips a lot. It's nice for her to experience it. And she got to go, you know, the two marquee ones or two of the marquee mm. ones in Alaska and Hawaii. So the marquee ones. <laughs> I mean, they're all good, but those, those are the two. The marquee ones. The two we're saving. And um, so, yeah, she, she really enjoyed it as well. My kids liked having her around. And, and that did help with um, driving, too. That, I, I said I drove the whole time. I guess she helped drive at least in one of those states, um, which, which was nice. And then, but going kind of back to who the book might be of interest to, um, I think parents, um, you know, either rather if they're a couple or divorced, because um, it just shows that you can, at a very young age, you can take kids tr- on trips and, you know, there will be some meltdowns. Um, but I think the important thing is that the parents don't have the meltdowns. You know, kids are going to have meltdowns. And if you can um, just understand that that's going to be part of the, the, the trip and, Time kind of heals everything. 
mm-hmm. things that were meltdowns that seemed terrible at the time. Now they seem funny, mm-hmm. and it's part of the story now. Um, but you just got to kind of roll with it. Um, and I, I think it's really one of the things I'm proud of, too, is I think I've inspired a couple people to, to travel with their kids. In fact, I know one couple who they're, they have about a 10-year-old in there. Um, on the path of visiting all 50 states. Um, they're probably about 20 now, but they, got, they have a long way to oh, go. Oh, cool. And then I was just talking to um, a girl who has taken her kid, they're really young, like three and one, I think, um, to Spain with her and her husband. And <laughs> she said one of the reasons is I saw you, you took your kids everywhere. So we went and immerse our kids, even though they're so young, uh-huh. you know, in different cultures and learn how to travel with them. So I thought that, that was really cool too. So hopefully it inspires parents to... Um, to spend more quality time with their kids. And, you know, it could be on the road or it could be doing other activities. But, um, and and I think we, when you have your kids help plan the trips, it goes a long way too because mm-hmm. the kids have to buy They have some, and, yeah, there you yeah, go. And you learn by each other's interests because when kids, especially when they're teenagers, the dialogue isn't, you know, isn't always there. So when you start talking about, well, this is my new interest, because mm-hmm. their, their interest, you change, mm-hmm. and you can kind of explain some of the things that you like. Um, you just, it opens up to, to dialogue, which, which is which is really important, I think. That's nice. Yeah. I think that's a beautiful ending place. Cool. Well, thanks. I appreciate you having me on the show. This was, yeah. this was fun. Thanks for coming here. Thanks for being you. Thanks for writing the book. I can't wait to read it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I say good luck. Let's shake hands and let's get out of here. Sounds good. Thanks so much, Michael. Thanks, Shalom. All right. Good job. Thanks. I appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. No, that was good. Hopefully I covered everything. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the Little Agency That Roars podcast. Be sure to find us on Facebook, Instagram, and on FasoniPartners.com under podcast. Be sure to subscribe. Be sure to like and leave a review. If you want to submit an interview or submit yourself for an interview, please email roar at fasonipartners.com. That's R-O-A-R at fasonipartners.com. Thanks. Thanks.